to Glory to Glory, the radio teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join us now as Pastor Joe Pettick concludes his two-part message from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11. These guys were hypercritical and negative of others, these Pharisees. They're hypercritical and negative of Jesus. This wasn't the law. If he was breaking the law, if he was, you know, if he was doing something outside of the Bible, yeah, they should have everyone, hey, you know, Jesus, you know, it does say in Leviticus you're supposed to, you know, wash your hands and this and that and do that, and then, you know, correct him in love and this. It wasn't that. It was nothing to do with the law. These guys were hypercritical and hypernegative of Jesus and all the Gentiles and people around them. And we have to be careful as believers that we are not hypercritical of others. I have to think about, you know, people in the world that don't know Jesus Christ. You hear people constantly complain, oh, you believe they're doing that. You believe these people are doing that. You believe these people are doing this. These people are drinking. These people are doing that. Well, what are they supposed to do? They're not believers. Of course they're doing that. They're, they're not born again. They're not saved. They're not, you know, they don't have the Holy Spirit living inside of them. And I, and I believe it's so important, to, you know, for us as believers not to be so hypercritical of others and to have a bad attitude, even people in the church. We have to be careful. Do you ever notice when you hang out with hypercritical people or people with bad attitudes, it rubs off on you? Do you ever notice that? It's almost like a cancer. Do you ever notice that you hang out with people that are just hypercritical? Oh, you complain. Oh, I can't believe this. I can't believe that. I can't believe that. I believe that. And first you're talking with them, like, man, these guys are hypercritical. Man, these guys are terrible. Then you start hanging out with them some more, and then you start, I can't believe this. I can't believe that. I don't believe this. I can't believe this. And you're like, whoa. I got the hypercritical disease. I'm just the way, the same way they are. And sometimes it feels good. You know, well, <laughs> I. Because then you don't have to look at yourself. You're always looking at them. Do you believe what that person did? Do you believe what that person did? Oh, yeah. Let's talk about this person for a while. What about us? Oh, no, no, no. Let's not talk about that. It's a lot easier to talk about them. God sees our hearts. God wants to change us. These Pharisees were hypercritical. And it's a warning to us to be careful, with, you know, not having bad attitudes and being hypercritical. And it's a ploy of the enemy many times to get our eyes off of ourselves and put our eyes on the things that, you know, that are not supposed to be on. Remember the story I told you about after a Sunday morning service? We, my wife and I, we went to a restaurant, you know, and I was so hungry and, and we ordered our food right away because I was so hungry. So let's order right away. So we ordered right away. You know, we're waiting for our food. Doesn't show up. We're waiting for our food. Doesn't show up. Then I'm thinking, this time, it was, something's going wrong, you know. So we looked at our phone because we made a phone call just as we were pulling into the parking lot, you know. So I said, let's see what time it was when we pulled in here. We're like, 40 minutes? We're like, no way. And we're like, so now, now I'm getting upset. And I'm like, oh, so, so then, but this waiter knows I'm a pastor. I've been sharing with them and stuff. So it's like, <laughs> and I go, you know, hi, so, so is our food almost ready? He said, oh, yeah, should be in a few minutes. Just do, okay, thank you, thank you. We're really hungry. Yes, we're really hungry. <laughs> Starving, you know. And we're waiting five or ten more minutes. And, Honey, I can't believe this. This is crazy. You know, I can't, you know, we should walk out of this place. You know, this is crazy. We're the customer. And, you know, just your heart, you know. So finally he brings the food and I'm eating and stuff. And then I go in the car and it says, honey, you know, after we ate, it says, I... I need to repent. I said, my heart's terrible towards that guy. She goes, no, what are you talking about? You were fine with him. I said, yeah, outwardly I was fine. <laughs> but if I said all the things were going on in this heart, I just... 
And I had to repent. Proverbs 21.2 says, Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. That's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. The word weighed means the Lord tests the heart. He measures the heart. It's like he's balancing the heart. So no, 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 no. Do you ever do something and you just kind of brush it off, you justify it, and then you go to sleep, you go to bed, you wake up in the morning. This, this happens to me all day. And it's like, and it's just right at the forefront of your mind. Like, why did you do that? And it's like the conviction of the Holy Spirit just weighing your heart saying, why did you do that? It's like, well, I justified it because of this. And it's like, I see your heart. I want to change that heart of yours. Yeah, maybe you fooled everybody else, but you're not fooling me. I weigh the heart. And the problem is, is you know, as believers, there's a conviction of the Holy Spirit, and, and we, we have to be tender and open and ready when you're convicted by the Holy Spirit. You know, there's times that I just want to, when that happens to me in the morning, I just want to turn my back and say, Lord, I don't hear you. I don't want to listen to you. Don't talk to me right now. I'm tired. And I'm sure there's times I've done that before. But it's so much better to turn back and say, Lord, I hear you. I understand. That was wrong. Forgive me. You're testing my heart. You're convicting me of sin. Change me, God. I want to be more like you. I believe God is more interested in your attitude than he is in your actions. Let me say that again. I believe God is more interested in your attitude than he is in your actions. He's more interested in your attitude, your motives, what's going on in your heart. Anybody can have good actions. That's what the Pharisees were doing. Their, their actions were good. And we have to be careful of our criticalness, our judgmentalness. We, we need to be careful. Proverbs 17, 19 says, Whoever loves a quarrel, a quarrel loves sin. Whoever builds a high gate invites destruction. One whose heart is corrupt does not prosper and then it goes on to say, one whose tongue is perverse falls into trouble. So if you love quarrels, you love sin. If you, if you love destruction, if, you're, if your heart's corrupt in these ways, you know, it, it's going to bring destruction in your life. It's not going to help you. But again, the good thing is God wants to change that heart. He wants to take that attitude out. He wants to take the negativity out. He, he wants to change us. I love what Ezekiel says, Ezekiel 36, 26. He says, I will give you a new heart. He says, I will put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. I'll change your heart. I'll give you a new heart. And that's what Jesus Christ does when we become born again. He gives us a new heart. He, he circumcises. He takes away the oldness. He takes away the bad stuff, and he, he, he cuts away the garbage. But I find that what can happen is we can allow the bad stuff to come back in. We have to fight that stuff. We have to turn away from that, and he'll give us a new heart. He'll continue to keep our hearts soft, but then he'll also continue to, to surface things that are in us. Another thing I'd like to point out is, before I do that, I just, I want to, I love this, the way Jesus said this. In verse 40, foolish ones, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? Reminding them, God made you, created the outside of you, but he also created the inside of you. And he wants, he that created the outside, created the inside, and he, he knows how to change the inside of you. He knows how to go in and make the changes that are necessary. But, but I think about, you know, there, there's people that are skilled to do certain things and have an eye to, to see, I want to make this change. You know, my wife's real good, you know, in decor, in de decor, I don't even know how to print decor, decor, I don't know. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> 
<laughs> but she sees these things, you know. She says, oh, this will look good here. 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 What about this? What about this? And I'm like, yeah, I think I can see this one, the poles. I noticed that. Yeah, I can see that. Gray poles. I like that. And before it even started, I said, yeah, I can see that. But some things I just can't see. I'm like, okay, I think so. I think so. And, but I, I trust that she knows what she's doing. And I trust that our Lord Jesus Christ knows what he's doing when he makes changes in our lives. He knows what he's doing. He, sometimes he says, I want to do this, I want to do that. And sometimes we can't see it. Sometimes we're like, whoa, are you sure? Well, that's great. That's radical. Really? Are you serious? And I want to do this in your life. And I want to do that in your life. And I want to use you in radical ways. And I want to, you know, I want to use you as my mouthpiece. And I want to do this. And I've given you this gift. And I've given you that gift. And it's like, sometimes we can get overwhelmed. Are you serious, Lord? But all we need to do is trust that he knows what he, Father knows best. He knows what he's doing. And he can do the changes. He can make the changes. All we need to do is agree with him and say, okay, Lord, I'm ready. Take my life. Not just the outside, but change me inside. Do a whole new thing, Lord. The Pharisees took offense when Jesus made these needed corrections. Look at verse 53 and 54. Check it out. The end of the chapter. And as he said these things, he's rebuking. We didn't even go through all the other rebukes. I mean, there's rebuke after rebuke. It's so funny. The scribe even tries to get in there and says, hey, you know, you're, you're, you're talking about us too. And he says, yeah, you scribes are this. And he starts rebuking. He just keeps going. It was a lawyer, actually. He just, just, he just keeps rebuking them. But then they took offense. And listen to this. And as he, Jesus, said these things to them, the scribes and the Pharisees began to assail him vehemently. And he cross-examined and to cross-examine him about many things, lying in wait for him and seeking to catch him in something he might say that they might accuse him. That word assail means they were enraged with him. They took offense. Jesus, the creator of all things, is standing right there in their midst and saying, you're wrong, you're messed up, you're doing wrong things, you need to change. And they were enraged with him instead of saying, Lord, you're right. Lord, change me. And they took offense. And with this, I'd like to make a point that we as believers should be careful not to be so easily offended. Our scripture reading, 1 Corinthians 13, in verse 5, it says that we're not to behave rudely, we're not to seek our own, we're not to be provoked, or basically, we're not to be offended easily. We're not to be offended. We're not easily offended. We have to guard over that. As a pastor, so often I'll see people, you know, get offended by another person in the church or someone in leadership. They're just a, people are getting offended here and there, and then they, they decide, well, I'm not going to that church anymore. Then they'll go to another church, and then you find out later they're offended there, so they go somewhere else. And, they keep, and what God is trying to do with us is he's trying to, the people that are closest to us, they're going to surface things in us. And that's what communication is all about. That's what repentance is all about. That's how, we're mold, how he molds us and shapes us. Primarily, he uses the people that are closest with us, closest to us. And when you, you go to a church that's, that's you know, tight-knit and small, you're going to be offended. There's going to be things that are going to bring offense. There's going to be things that surface out of you. But the best thing to do is first point the finger back and say, Lord, is there something in me that needs to change? And it's a shame. I remember we first started the church. There was a a family that came and then their friends came and then they're there there for a while and they're there, the thing's going great. And all of a sudden they had a fight and then they, they both just vacate. And I talked to one. I says, well, you know, why did you guys leave? Oh, so-and-so did this and that, that. And I'm not going to that church anymore because I don't want to see her. I said, well, she doesn't come to church anymore. Yeah, but if she shows up, I don't want to see her. <laughs> and God uses people in our lives. 
And I find, and not always, but in many cases, what they'll do, what some of these people do, is they'll go to a bigger church, not coming against bigger churches, because bigger churches are awesome too. This is not a rebuke on bigger churches, because bigger churches usually have small groups that you can meet in to have that intimacy and that fellowship. But I find that a lot of the people, they'll go to bigger churches, and they don't go into those little groups. And they think they'll just go into the church. They'll sit down in the church. Okay, hear the word, hear the word. Okay, honey, let's go. Wait, worship's on at the end. Let's go before anybody talks to us. Let's get out of this church. (laughs) And you're missing out. Love is not easily offended. And I know how it is. Believe me, if I wasn't the pastor, there's times early on in the church, I wanted to leave them. (laughs) Like, you're the the pastor. Oh, that's right. I got to stay. All right. Let's bear through this then. We can do this. And it's an attack on the church. The early church, they were daily breaking bread together. In other words, they were daily close to each other. And when you are close with other believers, there's different personalities, there's different, you know, everything. And you're going to be, there's going to be someone that rubs you the wrong way. There's going to be someone that's doing that. But I just want to exhort you the best way I know how is maybe God's trying to use that person, surfacing you, challenging you. And I find many times there's a lot of lack of communication, miscommunication, that people say, well, that's what they said. And, that's what, and then you get the two people together, and it's like, well, I thought that's what you said. And I like, no, I didn't say that. This is what I said. Oh, you really said that? And this is a reminder for us. These Pharisees were offended. But they should have repented. Proverbs 19.11 says, A man's wisdom gives him patience. It is his glory to overlook an offense. That's Proverbs 19.11. Psalm 119.165 says, Great peace have those who love the law, and nothing causes them to stumble, or nothing causes them to be offended. Jesus assesses their situation. He tells them the truth. They're offended. Most of you know I have some food allergies, and, and basically I try to do my best to eat healthy as much as I can. I have a pretty strict diet. Recently, we just went to the missions conference there in Marietta, and, and I thought, you know what? This is a good time for me just to cheat, you know, just to eat something, you know? So I bought a, a, a small bag of real potato chips, and it like, seemed like nothing to you, but, I mean, it was just so wonderful. I mean, I was savoring these potatoes. I would open them up, and I was just, not eating them. And I don't know if it's been a long time since I've even had a potato chip, you know? Sometimes there's a wrong ingredient. I can get sick, so I'm just waiting. I'm eating them. And I ate one even. I waited for a while, and then I was like, wow, I didn't get sick. I feel great. So I just started eating and eating. My wife's like, honey, you should maybe don't eat the whole thing, you know? Just, I said, all right, all right. So I saved some for the next day, right? So I, I saved them. I was so excited about the whole thing saved them, you know. I'm like, I woke up in the morning, I felt good, I didn't get sick. I was like, oh, yes, you know, potato chips. I'm like, yes. (laughs) I was singing the potato chip song in the morning. It was amazing. So I get the bag of potato chips out, and I'm eating them for breakfast. (laughs) And I'm like, potato chips for breakfast, and I'm eating, eating, and I'm just studying. And I look in my hand, and I see these little black dots on my hand and on my wrist, and I'm like, what? And then there's like a bunch of them. They're on my finger. They're on the potato chip, and like, I open up the bag, and they're filled with ants. And I already ate some. I wasn't singing the potato chip song anymore. I'm in the sink, like, ah. And I'm looking to see if any ants coming out of my mouth. This is disgusting. It's terrible. 
And it's a crazy little story, but I was thinking about it this morning. You know, I would have saved myself a lot of trouble if I would have looked inside the bag, right? There's no way I would have eaten those chips if I would have seen I mean, there was, I mean, it was like packed with these little tiny ants. It was disgusting. But what kind of garbage is inside of us? Dark spots. That's why it looked like dark spots, just moving around. King David said, he prayed, Psalm 139, 23, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts or my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way inside of me and lead me in the way everlasting. In other words, lead me in the right way, Lord. See if there's anything. In other words, he's saying, God, search me. God, go in deep. God, check my heart. God, check my mind. See if there's any wrong way and then lead me in the right way. I might fool the world. I might fool everyone around me. Everyone might think it's okay, but you know what's going on inside and I give you permission to take the spotlight of the Holy Spirit and shine it deep into my life and show me those areas that need to change. These Pharisees, it says, he told them that, that, they, were, that they were like graves which are not seen and men don't even know. Men walk over the, these graves. In other words, you know, back then, check this out. Part of their law, if, they, if, if a Jewish person went near a dead body, they were defiled spiritually for a period of time. So what they would do, when they would mark graves. They would make grave markers so everyone knew, those are graves, stay away from the graves. But Jesus says, you are like those dead graves. In other words, you defile people. Everywhere you go, you're bringing defilement on the people. And the problem is, there's no marker on you. They don't even realize. They think that you're good. And they're getting defiled by you. And he's saying this out of love. He's rebuking them, but he's saying, you need to change. And some of the Pharisees did change, but, but most of the Pharisees, they, they took you know, offense to this and they wanted him crucified. And they had him crucified. They didn't want Jesus in their life. They didn't want Jesus on the scene. But they didn't realize he was the Messiah. He was the Savior of the world. He's the very one that they were reading about in their law. The scripture spoke of him. In another place, King David Prayed in Psalm 51.10, he says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Psalm 51.10. As we wind down here, I just, I think about when Jesus was speaking in Matthew 5. And he says, You heard it said that you're not to murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of judgment. Do you remember what Jesus said? He went on to say, But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. He's saying, the law says don't murder, outwardly. We know what that is. So outwardly you're saying you're not murdering. But, but Jesus says, you know, actually, I look deeper. I look into your heart. And if you're angry with your brother without a cause, I'm saying it's just as bad as if you murdered the person because you're doing it in your heart. Remember, he went on to say, he said, you know, that it talks about, you heard it said of old that you shall not commit adultery. Remember what Jesus said? He says, but I say whoever looks at a woman to lust after her has already committed adultery in his heart. That's heavy. But he was saying it to say that I want to change you. I see what's going on inside. Heart check. Let's not be Christians on the outside only. Like the Pharisees. Anybody can do that. May we as believers continue to allow the spotlight of the Holy Spirit to shine deep within us. To expose those dark areas that need to be changed. I'm going to close, close with this. Jesus said, Matthew 5, 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, Matthew 5, 8, for they shall see God. Jesus is saying, 
Let me purify your heart, and you will see God. Obviously, speaking for eternity, you'll see God one day. When you allow the Lord to come in and live inside of you and purify your heart, when you die, you will see God because God will come live inside of you by his spirit. He'll purify your heart, and you're going to see God. But also, I look at this verse, and I believe, you know, what it, what it also can be saying is, blessed are the pure in heart. When God purifies your heart, you start seeing God in a whole new way. When you allow him to come in, and, and you, you confess it to him, and you, you know, expose the inside and say, Lord, I, I understand, and I, I, I sense the conviction of your Holy Spirit, purify me, God. And when he comes in and he purifies you, you're going to see God in a whole new way. You're going to see the work of God's Holy Spirit in a whole new way because you're allowing him to take control of not just the outside of you, but you're giving him control of everything that's inside of you. When you gave your life to Christ, you said, be Lord of my life. And that's not just the outside, that's also the inside. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they'll see God. How's your heart this morning? Heart check. This is my last thing. (laughs) As I was thinking about this in the time of worship, as we were worshiping this morning, as we were singing to the Lord, I had to make a note because I thought about the fact the tabernacle in the Old Testament, if you think about it, on the outside it was, it was covered with badger skin. Very common. Nothing impressive on the outside. But on the inside of the tabernacle, there's a place, a compartment, as most of you know, called the Holy of Holies. And in the Holy of Holies is where the, the, the Ark of the Covenant was there. And the Ark of the Covenant basically represented, you know, God's kabod, God's presence. It's where God would meet with the people and God's glory and God's kabod, God's presence was there in the inside. But for the natural man, they would look at the, the outside of the tabernacle and say, badger skin. I mean, there's just nothing to really look at. It was plain. It's nothing. But inside was the glory of God shining inside the temple. God's kabod, God's glory. And I look at that picture. The, the Bible says you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And, and it doesn't matter outside so much what's going on. It doesn't matter what people think about us. But on the inside is his kabod, is his glory dwelling within us, burning within us, his, his glory shining in our midst, inside of us, exposing those things that are not of him. I pray so. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. God wants to purify your heart, and he's able. So again, don't be so concerned. Let's not be Christians just on the outside. Amen? Amen. Let's also be Christians on the inside and let Christ dwell in us richly. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you so much for your kabod, your glory, your presence, your presence in us, God. And Lord, we pray that you would take control of our lives, not just the outside, but Lord, also the inside. And again, Lord, you said it's God who works in us. It's you who's working in us, both to will and to do for your good pleasure. May you have your way with us, God. Work in us. And Lord, we lift up those here that maybe aren't born of your spirit, are not born again. Lord, we pray that today would be the day of salvation for them, that they would see the change that you desire to do in them. You see the change, but may they see the need for you, God. May they see the need for you to come in 
and to do a total makeover inside of them, to change them. May you work even now by your spirit, God, drawing them to yourself. May you do the work, Lord God, bring in the conviction that's necessary. May you bring salvation to their soul. By the work of your Holy Spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. been listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettit, an outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. We'd like to extend an invitation to visit us here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our service times are Tuesday evenings at 7 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory. Glory.